0: Colombia in Indonesia is created and produced by the Embassy of Colombia in Indonesia, with the main goal of discussing culture, trade, traditions, and related topics between both countries. Welcome to a new episode of Colombia in Indonesia. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the historical centers in the Department of Norte de Santander, or North of Santander. North of Santander is an important historical area in Colombia, and it has scenarios that were very important for Colombia's history. If you had the chance to listen to our previous episode, we had a disclaimer in which we were explaining why most of the history of these towns are. It's very similar because Colombia, from the 1400s to the 1800s, we were a, a colony of the Spanish Kingdom. And most of the history of our towns, it's pretty similar. Uh, It started being a small settlement, then it became a bigger settlement where they approved the construction of a church, then we had a church, and from that church we will have a main square in the middle of the town in front of the church where we will have also the government office or the mayor's hall, and then the, the town would grow from there, right? So, yeah, just wanted to give the disclaimer again so we can... Um, move on and not talk too much about history in in these towns because we're getting to the point where we are reaching departments or states in Colombia where there are more and more historical centers. So we don't waste your time uh, telling the same story time and time again. Uh, The importance for north of Santander in this case uh, is that it was a very important place where the Battle of Cúcuta in February 28 of 1813 happened, one of the important battles of the independence campaign of Colombia. It's where the Congress of 1821 took place to install the first constitution of the Republic of Colombia, and that's since that year is where Colombia became a country. The geography in north of Santander, it's very varied because it's it has lots of mountains as well as many places in Colombia. And it's composed of a lot of mountains, moors, plateaus, plains, and hills, with municipalities of varied heights within these mountains, that make this an immensely rich and incredible landscape and climates. Uh, so as as uh, we have been doing in, in this season of Colombia in I'm here with Juan Jose, who's co joining uh, co hosting the this season of the podcast and. Jose, please welcome again to the podcast and tell us more about the history of North of Santander.
1: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Nicolás. It's good to be back. And well, today we're talking about North of Santander, that it's a a state that not also has a rich history, but also a rich geography, as Nicolás was telling us. So this state has different natural parks, those being... Los Estoraques Unique Natural Area, that is a park that we are going to talk about later, as well as the Catatumbo Barí National Natural Park. Also, there is the Tama National Park, and the Cisavita Regional Natural Park, and the Santurban Salazar de las Palmas Regional Natural Park. These parks are all different, have different climates, as well as different vegetation. That's why it's also a very varied geography as. Nicolás told us so the region of Santander was as we already said a key place for the independence of Colombia having cities that were very important for the independence campaign and the formation of the Grand Colombia the towns that are declared a cultural heritage and that we are going to talk about here in north of Santander are El Carmen Pamplona La Playa de Belén or Belén Beach and Villa Rosario. So, starting with El Carmen, uh, I think Nicolas g- can tell us about more of the history of this place and also give us an introduction.
0: All right. So, El Carmen is one of the most peculiar places we're going to be talking about, uh, especially in this episode, because it's a very secluded place. It's a small town that it's located in the middle of a natural uh, reserve or, or park in the middle of the forest in within the mountains in the north of Santander. Um, it's very, very secluded, and because of this, it has had the opportunity to be pr- very well preserved as um, it was, when it, was uh, when it started being built. And it's crossed by three different streams in, uh, in this area, which are El Salto or San Rafael, El Tigre, and El Carmen. And its economy revolves around agriculture, livestock, forestry, and mining. The history of this small town is that in, in July 16, 1686, the governor and captain general of the province of Santa Marta granted the title to the land known as Estancia Vieja. From that date, which is considered as the first foundation of the municipality, the town was known as the Estancia Vieja de Nuestra Señora del Carmen. Later on, on November 7, 1808, it was elected parish and the first stone was laid for the construction of the church. As we told you before in this episode, that's how most of the history of of our town started. And then the current population of this center was formed at the beginning of the 19th century and its existence goes hand in hand with the founding of the parish. But uh, as I told you that the seclusion of this small town is what makes it uh, very special because it had the chance to be very well preserved until now and then José is going to share about the architecture of this place.
1: Yeah, starting with the architecture and also about the tourism of this place, knowing that this town is really difficult to get to yeah, and it's well preserved. This place usually doesn't have many tourists because of his, its hidden location. So to get there, you must cross 50 kilometers of unpaved road, from Ocaña, that is one of the biggest cities in this department. And that's also, when you get there, there will be no hotels. So, however, its inhabitants are more than happy to accept any tourists into their homes and invite them as their guests. This isolation that we told you about, in which El Carmen has lived for many years, has allowed its cobblestone streets and colonial houses with central courtyard and back lots to remain intact. There reigns the tranquility and calm that captives city travelers. El Carmen is an authentic town, beautiful, welcoming and with friendly people. The houses are, are not built with metal bars in their windows, but they have woodwork and mud walls as they were built in the last century. Almost most, the majority of the houses are painted in white on the walls, and have green and red on the doors and the windows. And to meet its inhabitants and enjoy a sunny afternoon, we recommend you to go to the central square. This square is different from those usually seen in the other towns of Colombia because in El Carmen, the central square has more greenery than walking space. There's several gardens set in white and red walls with chairs every two meters to fill the breeze and rest from the sun. These gardens have palm trees, flowers, different bushes and grass in the center of the coat of arms of the town and in front of it the chapel of El Carmen with its majestic white tower. The park has seven entrances in memory according to the elders to the seven families from which the original Carmelite community was formed, Carmelite being the people that live in, in, in El Carmen. Around the park we see different houses, each with its own colonial style some with balconies on the second floor and others with only one floor and also El Carmen being such a small and well preserved town doesn't have many places to visit however being stuck in time and just walking in the streets you can feel like you are in another era and this is what is so beautiful and, and, and interesting about this place because it's beautiful architecture and also because of It's friendly inhabitants who always with a smile uh, and be there to offer you a coffee or anything else. So if you want to see the whole of this town, uh, we recommend you to go to the different viewpoints, such as the viewpoint of the Sacred mound or El Mirador. And as for the gastronomy, as in the following towns we're going to talk about, you will be able to taste the unique food of the north of Santander. So moving on to the next town, because we have four different towns to talk about, Uh, we're going to talk about Villa del Rosario. This town has more of a historical value, especially the history in the independence era of Colombia, and that's like its most important characteristic. So taking the road south towards the capital of the department, called Cucuta, we arrived at Villa del Rosario, and here is where the Simón Bolívar Bridge is, and is the one that connects Colombia with Venezuela, one of the most important connections between the both countries. Talking about its history, on February 11th of 1773, the decree of creation of the parish of Nuestra Señora del Rosario was issued. That was how it was created, and in this date it was built its first stone as well as the other different stories about the different towns, starting with a, a, a chapel. So later on, on October 14th of 1813, there was a battle between the Patriots, commanded by a young Santander and the Royalist sides, and in a victory of the Royalists, meaning the Royalists, the Spaniards, and the Neo-Granadino army left to Pamplona. On September 23rd of 1819, together with the troops under his command, he accompanied General Carlos Sublet in the battle that was fought in Juan Frio, which definitely removed the Spaniards from these regions and also from the whole of Colombia, moving them to Venezuela. Villa del Rosario was the epicenter where the first Colombian constitution was written, and we are talking about the constitution of 1821. As a result of this constitution, the Republic of Colombia was created and better known as the Gran Colombia, as it was composed of Colombia, Ecuador, Panama, and Venezuela. In addition, Simón Bolívar became the president and Francisco de Paula Santander, vice president. The constitution was written in the historic temple located in this city. And speaking of this, we continue to the places of interest and tourism in Villa del Rosario that Nicolas is going to talk about.
0: Thanks, Juan José. So many historians say that this city was the birthplace of several national heroes. And that is why here are several national monuments located in Villa del Rosario. Because, um, as you just mentioned, it was a very important part of history, of especially of Colombian history. So we have many places that are very popular if you want to visit Villa del Rosario Some of the places that you can visit are the historic temple that Juan José just mentioned, where the Constituent Congress was held in 1821. Uh, This place was declared as a national monument in 1926. Then you could also go visit General Santander Birthplace, that was declared a national monument in 1959, because it was the birthplace of the illustrious son of Villa del Rosario and hero of the independence, Francisco de Paula Santander was born on april 2nd 1792. you could also go visit la Bagatela, which was declared a national monument in 1971 and it was the site that once served as the government palace during the formation of the republic of colombia in 1821 since uh, villa del rosario was the first capital of the republic then you could also go visit the Nuestra Señora del Rosario Parish, that's the, the parish that we mentioned uh, before, Juan José talked about, about in the history of the, of the town. And you can go visit also the ruins of Santa Ana Chapel, the first church of this town that was finished in 1738. And it was the place where the General Santander was baptized, as well as other forefathers, martyrs, and heroines of Colombia. Besides these uh, historic buildings, you can also try different... Um, Dishes from the traditional north of Santander gastronomy. And some of those are the cachama, which is a freshwater fish. You can try the sancocho, which is one of our traditional soups that has some variations among all of the country. But usually you will have some uh, base protein, either uh, chicken, fish or or beef. And then you you will have some legumes with it, like potatoes and tapioca. Uh, You can also try some things traditional like the black pudding, the morcilla, we call it in Colombia, which is similar to black pudding that you can get in, in Europe. Uh, try some arepas de maiz, chorizos, uh, milk, caramels, fresh fruits like mango, papaya, and grapefruit. You can try the traditional pigeon bread and the goat prepared in beer. You can also try the chickpea pie or pastel de garbanzo, which is one of the most popular things from this area. Finally, as I just mentioned before, Villa Rosario was one of the capital, the first capital of the Republic of Colombia. So to travel there is to breathe the same air of the most important moment in the Colombian history. And to walk through its streets and visit these historical places is to experience firsthand what the heroes of Colombia independence did. So now let's move on to Pamplona. So uh, the third historic center that we're going to be talking about located in north of Santander. Following the road to the south, heading toward the department of Santander, we find Pamplona. Pamplona is the oldest of, out of the four cities that we're going to be talking about in this episode. Pamplona was the capital of the province of Pamplona and its economy is based in gastronomy, agriculture, tourism, especially religious tourism and education. The Archdiocese of Nueva Pamplona was the first Catholic diocese in the northeastern region of the country. Uh, Pamplona is also known as the founding city of cities since it is located in an area where during the colonial times people left to found different cities in states such as Arauca, Norte de Santander Santander and even in Venezuela, Táchira and Mérida Now let's move on to history Juan José, what can you tell us about the history of Pamplona?
1: Yes, we saw before this is the oldest city of the department it was founded in November 1st of 1549, and was baptized with the name of Pamplona de Indias, or Indies Pamplona, in homage and memory to the Spanish city of Pamplona. From there, different expeditions, as Nicolas told us, founded other towns, such as Mérida in Venezuela, also San Cristobal and La Grita in Venezuela as well, and in Colombia, towns like Ocaña, Salazar de de las Palmas, Chinacota, San Faucinto, Bucaramanga, and San Jose de Cúcuta. Then in the independence times, Simon Bolivar called it the patriotic city because it was the first city to proclaim its independence. It is said that for the independence, Pamplona wasn't as important as Bogotá. It was a city that contributed with many human and economic resources to the liberation of Colombia. It has become the main educational center of eastern Colombia and Táchira and Mérida as well, which is why it has been classified as a student city. Moving on to its architecture, the city traced from the typical checkerboard pattern used by Spain for its foundation in the newly conquered territories has maintained for centuries, the colonial and republican urbanism and architecture as well. Within its narrow and straight streets, Some of them, modified by geographic accidents, coexist two of the most characteristic architectures of the country. One is the buildings of the colonial period, especially residential type architecture. And two, the buildings of the Republican period, represented mainly by institutional buildings. Both architectures are very similar and therefore sometimes are confused. But among the representative examples of Pamplona's colonial architecture, we find large mansions with wooden balconies, such as the house of Doña Gueda Gallardo, a ruin of the city's independence, also La Casa de las Marias, that is occupied now by the Museum of Modern Art. Also, we have La Casa de las Cajas Reales and other different houses that are as similar, as beautiful as the other mentioned before. And as for the Republican architecture, we find buildings such as the Acueda Gallardo Park, also the Archbishop's Palace, and the Covered Market building.
0: That's right, but in addition to these buildings, we also have several churches, a factor that is never lacking in Colombian towns, as we have mentioned before. Among the most famous for for their beauty and old age are the Church of Señor del Humilladero, Church of Nuestra Señora del Carmen, Santo Domingo Church, and the Cathedral of Santa Clara. The streets of Pamplona are also the scene of the traditional Semana Major, or the celebration that uh, takes place during, prior and during the Eastern, in Colombia there is a custom that was inherited from Spanish culture, which together with the one celebrated in Popayán and Santa Cruz de Mompox is one of the most important uh, in the country. Unlike the other cities seen in this chapter, Pamplona is famous also for having a great religious tourism. Many people make pilgrimages to Pamplona during Holy Week or Easter to enjoy these festivities. So now let's move on to the last uh, historic center that we're going to be talking about in this episode, which is Playa de Belén, or Belén's Beach. We left this town uh, last because it's the most beautiful of the four that we have mentioned. It is located at about 1,450 meters above sea level, and that allows it to have a pleasant average temperature of 20 degrees. And this beautiful village is next to one of the unique natural areas of Colombia which is Los Estoraques a unique natural park for its beautiful broken and eroded landscapes. Located in a dry forest its main feature are the rock pillars formed by the high erosion in the hills. These rock towers open up space for vegetation at their base to create a contrasting landscape of yellow rock and green vegetation. So besides its natural beauty Juan well, José, what can we learn about the history of Playa de Belén?
1: Playa de Belén was founded after the other three towns we mentioned, and it was founded in December 4th of 1862. Its first house was built in 1857. Together with El Carmen, it was part of the network of towns near Ocaña. By the time of independence, Ocaña was an important center, which... In the period of the Republic of the New Granada or La República de la Nueva Granada was its own province. So by 1857, La Playa de Belén was part of the province of Ocaña. There is not much history surrounding this small town. It is only known that it started as a small settlement of few houses built around a small temple in the center. Besides this, it's known that being such a reclusive town, its inhabitants respected it very much and chose to always build similar buildings, keeping the same architecture throughout the town. Throughout its history, especially in the 20th century, being a town of difficult access, its inhabitants lived in constant tranquility. The most common plan was to go for a picnic in the Estoraques, taking boiled eggs, potatoes, arepas, mangoes, and the inevitable panela or Vanilla water with lemon to hydrate yourself. Talking about the estoraques, it is the unique natural area that is next door to the Playa Evelyn town. One could say that it could overshadow the town, but in Playa Evelyn it's not the case because both are very beautiful but in their own ways. Los estoraques to explain a little bit more how is this natural area, are stone columns created from the erosion of the mountains this makes these towers and rough stone walls full of relief exist because of the erosion some of them look like stalagmites inside of a cave but in the open air and much bigger the landscape of los Estoraques is one with contrasts being in a dry forest it has green vegetation and this green highlights the yellow of the columns if you have the opportunity to see the Estoraques. from above you will notice the beautiful landscape only seen in impressionist art pieces inside this 600 hectare park beside the stone columns you can also walk along trails such as the path of the virgin and path of the animas as well as different paths this unique natural area is open since 2016, because it was closed due to the conservation of this place. And moving on to the architecture of Playa de Belén and how Playa de Belén mixes with Los Estoraques, I leave you with Nicolás.
0: All right, so besides the natural beauties that surround Playa de Belén, especially the Estoraques, you could also go and visit different attractions in the town itself. One of those is the cemetery. It has won the name of Mirador de los Muertos or Viewpoint of the Dead because to reach it, you have to climb a very steep plateau of around 150 meters height, which has given that place the interesting name that it has. But then from the steep hills, it's totally uh, worth it when you see the landscape that you you get as a reward for for climbing these 150 meters. Then the cemetery is... uh, Also very interesting because it has some white tombs with wrought iron uh, crosses and a few trees and gardens that sprout inexplicably in the middle of brown sands like a desert. Besides being a cemetery, it's also a very beautiful viewpoint that allows to contemplate the great panoramic views of the municipality of about 9,000 inhabitants, considered one of the most beautiful towns in Colombia. You can also visit the San Jose de la Playa Church, It is the only church in the town with a simple design but of incalculable value because uh, it is the scene of the great religious ceremonies on the town that we mentioned before are some of the most important in the country. It houses the image of Our Lady of Mercy, who is the patron saint of the town. At the top of the park is the Teneria Creek, composed of natural wells and exotic vegetations, which is another place that it's worth visiting if you go to Playa de Blen, and it would be also uh, wise to tell you that if you want to visit this municipality, the only way to get there is by car. And with that, uh, I think we've finished this episode of Colombia in Indonesia. Thank you, Juan José, again for joining me today for, for this episode, and we hope that you have learned more about the historical centers in Colombia, this time in north of Santander. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us in Facebook and Twitter at MCol Indonesia. That is E-M-B-C-O-L-I-N-D-O-N-E-S-I-A. And on Instagram at MCO Indonesia. E-M-B-C-O-I-N-D-O-N-E-S-I-A. To stay in touch with us. Please share this episode and we wait to hear from you in a brand new episode of Colombia in Indonesia. Muchas gracias. Terima kasih. Colombia in Indonesia is produced by the Embassy of Colombia in Indonesia, directed and hosted by the cultural attaché Nicolás Montoya, with co-hosting and writing by Juan Jose Torres, music by Sebastián Valdivieso.